Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda, and this is Classroom Talk. Wow, I published my first episode just this week and I already have a few listeners. Hi guys, thank you guys so much for listening and joining me. This is just amazing. My hope for this podcast is to share my knowledge and experiences from classroom situations, but I also want to collaborate with you guys. You are my colleagues, you're my fellow teachers, and they always say teachers are lifelong learners, so why not learn from each other, right? So stay tuned for the end of the episode where I'm going to share my teacher Instagram page. We can use that page to collaborate together. You can comment on photos, you can uh, direct message me, share your thoughts on the episodes, share any other solutions you have to case studies I share. You can even submit um, your own case studies where you're stumped and you're not, you're not really sure how to help the student. So let's work together to solve these unique classroom experiences and make our classrooms the best for all of our students. Okay, that's enough chatting. Let's get right into our second case study. All case studies discussed on Classroom Talk are based on true events. It is important to note that all names have been changed and personal information has been left out. It is my responsibility to keep the identities and the personal information of mine and your students confidential. This is the case study of the silenced student. Ben is a sixth grade student in Mr. Smith's class. During the first semester of sixth grade, Mr. Smith notices that Ben seems to be struggling across all subjects. He is a quiet student that follows along and goes with the flow without any behavioral issues. Mr. Smith notices a pattern with Ben's test scores. They are all failing grades. This doesn't seem consistent with Ben's in-class experiences, though. During class lessons, Ben would participate verbally, sharing his thoughts and ideas on the content. Mr. Smith saw this in-class participation and felt confident that Ben was understanding the concepts. But any written work or test that Mr. Smith received from Ben was either blank or didn't really make any sense. Mr. Smith looked into Ben's data a bit more and found that Ben's reading level scored in the first grade range. He also looked closer at Ben's turned-in math assignments and tests. Most calculation problems were correct, but any word problems were consistently left blank. The combination of a lower reading level, math tests only partially completed, and sufficient in-class participation concerned Mr. Smith. This class had only completed writing assignments on laptops, so Mr. Smith wanted to test something out with Ben. Mr. Smith gave Ben a verbal question and had him respond to the question verbally. Ben was able to answer the question with complete sentences while staying on topic. After that, Mr. Smith told Ben to complete a writing task and slid a piece of paper in front of Ben. This paper had written instructions on it, telling him to write three sentences answering the question. The question written on the paper was the exact same question Mr. Smith had asked verbally and had gotten a strong verbal response from Ben. After 15 minutes, Mr. Smith checked on Ben. 
The paper had his name on it, but it was not complete. The student looked tired and said that this was too hard for him. Mr. Smith knew there was a disconnect here based on all of Ben's past experiences in class and work submissions. Mr. Smith worked with Ben's parents and the school's special education team. With proper data, interventions, and observations, the team decided to have Ben evaluated for special education. The psychologist tested Ben and found out that he has dyslexia. A team meeting is set to discuss the diagnosis, but it is scheduled for a month and a half out. Mr. Smith still needs to educate Ben during this time, before the meeting. He doesn't want Ben's knowledge and intelligence to be silenced any longer. What can he do to help Ben be successful in the classroom? Okay, so Ben got this dyslexia diagnosis from the school psychologist, but it's going to take a little bit of time before the meeting happens where the team can discuss how to help Ben. And this kind of puts Mr. Smith in a rough spot because he still needs to educate Ben, but he has this weird gap of time. So let's figure this out for him. The first thing we need to do is ask ourselves, what is dyslexia? According to dyslexia.org, dyslexia is a specific learning disability that is neurobiological in origin. It is characterized by difficulties with accurate and or fluent word recognition and by poor spelling and decoding abilities. These difficulties typically result from a deficit in the phonological component of language that is often unexpected in relation to other cognitive abilities and the provision of effective classroom instruction. Secondary consequences may include problems in reading comprehension and reduced reading experience that can impede growth of vocabulary and background knowledge. So Ben is having difficulties decoding words to read at grade level. As Mr. Smith can see, this difficulty caused by dyslexia doesn't mean Ben isn't able to understand the content because he's been showing his abilities during the in-class activities with the um, verbal answers and whatnot. So it's clear that Ben is very intelligent. His dyslexia is just causing him to have some difficulties decoding words. Um, it's also, we're able to see it with his reading level being at a first grade level. So he needs individualized instruction that works at his own reading level. So Ben's special education teacher will develop a personalized plan to help him strengthen his reading skills. It's most likely that a phonics program will be put into place for him to work on one-on-one -on -one with his special education teacher. But what could be done in Mr. Smith's sixth grade classroom to help Ben access the grade level content? Accommodations need to be put into place, and these will be discussed at his IEP meeting, but let's look at what accommodations mean. Some confuse the definitions of accommodations and modifications. As stated on dyslexia.org, accommodations do not change the content of instruction, give the student an unfair advantage, or change the skills or knowledge that a test measures. In contrast, Modifications do change the content or expectations to meet the needs of a student, so accommodations make the content accessible. I always like to think of it as fair does not mean the same thing as equal. 
So some accommodations that Mr. Smith can put into place during his instruction include giving verbal instruction with the written instruction. So he needs to have steps written on the board of what they're doing, but also reading them out loud so Ben can understand. Oh, excuse my cat there. <laughs> um, another instructional accommodation is to repeat directions and break down multi-step directions using words that Ben knows. So giving simplified instruction to Ben and making sure that those directions are broken down into multiple steps. So you might have an assignment or you're giving the students a task and there's five steps that they need to do. That could be very overwhelming. So write down these steps on the board or give a piece of paper with these steps, but also read them aloud. And you might need to prompt each time a step is done to remind Ben of what's going on next. Um, Mr. Smith can provide a copy of notes or even allow Ben to record the instruction. And I know some teachers get a little bit weirded out being recorded, but nobody's going to judge the teacher. This is just for Ben. Ben needs to be able to use this recording kind of like his own notes. If he's unable to copy down notes or write down important information during a lecture, then a recording is the next best thing. If he's working on homework at home or in study hall, he can go back and listen or watch the recorded lesson and find the information just like he would go back and look at his notes. Let's see, we can also present information verbally and visually, and this would be awesome to use symbols or pictures when needed. So if you're discussing cause and effect, using an arrow to go from the cause, pointing to the effect, that gives a great visual for Ben. And using graphic organizers and mnemonic instruction. So an example of mnemonic instruction is to use the acronym HOMES, H-O-M-E-S to remember the names of the Great Lakes if you're learning that in geography. So H would be Lake Huron, O is Ontario, M is Michigan, E is Erie, and S is Lake Superior. So using those kinds of things to help remember pieces of information, really that would help the whole class, using songs and pictures and whatnot. Not just for Ben's benefit, but really for everyone, and it's kind of fun. Some accommodations that can be used... Um, during work time for Ben. These are very important. Um, I've got a whole list here. So let's see the first one. Break down assignments into smaller sections. So if Ben is having struggles reading and you give him this test of 20 questions and it's five pages stapled together, Ben's just going to shut down. He's going to look at all of the words on the paper be like, oh my goodness, this is going to take a lot of my energy to read. This is going to take so much time. I'm just, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to circle these answers. I'm going to turn it in. Rather than giving him all five pages at once, maybe give him one page to start and see how he does. Give him the first couple questions first. Then once he does that, give him a little break. Let him go to the restroom or get a drink and then give him the second page. Break it down so it's not so overwhelming for him. You can give Ben simplified instructions on a worksheet or a task that you want him to do. A lot of the times, especially in these older grades, like sixth grade, instructions are presented in like a paragraph format. That might be too much for Ben. So you could break those instructions down using words that Ben understands and listing them rather than putting them in a paragraph. Another tip is to allow him to respond verbally. 
rather than written. So if you're giving Ben a an essay prompt and you want him to write about his experience over summer, rather than have him write, which is not a strength for him, he has poor spelling, have him use the speech-to-text feature on technology on the laptop. Or maybe you have an extra adult in the room or a trusted peer that can be used as a scribe for him so he can speak what he's trying to say. He can follow the prompt and tell you exactly what he did over summer. He just needs someone to write it down for him or he can use the text to or sorry, the speech to text. And you know what I love about the speech to text is sure, it writes down everything you're saying, but you have to go back and you have to edit to add in the periods and the commas and make sure all the capitals are there. Sometimes the speech to text will write down the wrong word and <clears throat> excuse me. And you you have to go back and fix a grammar issue with a little blue squiggly line is underneath it. So it's not just a student being lazy. They really do have to do the work. They're just getting their ideas down first. <clears throat> Another accommodation is to allow grade level text to be read aloud to Ben. So this could be done using technology nowadays. I know there's a lot of programs where you can plug in the text online and it can be read to you. There's tons of add-ons or Google Chrome extensions that can be used. So if you're giving your sixth grade class a test and you want to see if the students can compare and contrast two characters in a story and this text is at a sixth grade reading level, well, we know Ben is not able to read at a sixth grade reading level. So if we hand him the sixth grade text and say, okay, compare and contrast, and he can't even read the text, are we really assessing him on comparing and contrasting or are we assessing his reading skills? So it would be much better for a measure if you have the story read to him. That way he knows what's going on in the story he can hear all the words being read. He can follow along with the words as they're being read to him. And then he actually knows what's going on. So he can compare and contrast those characters. And you can see if he has mastered that skill. Let's see, where am I on here? Allow more time for tests and assignments. Um, allow Ben to use spell check, which we use it. I know some teachers are opposed to using spell check because then all of the students' spelling is poor. But really, it's just another tool. I use it all the time. Sometimes I don't know how to spell a word. I whip out my phone. I speak it into Siri, and she tells me how to spell it. And then, boom, now I know how to spell it. I just learned from Spellcheck. So it's a great resource to use for everyone. You can have Ben record his oral responses using um, a laptop or a video recorder, and then you can play it back later when you're grading assignments. And then, of course, just allow Ben to have some extra breaks. If reading is a struggle for him, it's putting a strain on his brain. It's not coming naturally. He has to work hard to decode the words. So he's going to need some more breaks. So let him run to the restroom, run a task errand of yours, run to the office, take a quick stretch break during a test or an assignment, just so he can get that quick little brain break. So those are the accommodations that I would use to try to help Ben out. And of course, more would be discussed during his meeting with the IEP team.
but we don't want Ben to fall behind. Ben is very intelligent, and he clearly knows what's going on. He just has struggles with the reading and the writing aspects. So let's make sure that Ben isn't silenced anymore, and let's work through these accommodations with him. Alrighty, thank you guys so much for listening to episode two of Classroom Talk. I hope this case study is relatable and the accommodations are helpful. I would love to hear your feedback and collaborate with my listeners. My teacher Instagram page is miss underscore Frenchie 12. That is M-I-S-S underscore F-R-E-N-C-H-Y 1-2. Please message me with any feedback, questions, or case studies of your own that you'd like some help that I can discuss on Classroom Talk. Have a great day. Thank you.